Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. As you remember last week, we talked about the word Cretans were like known. That was like what they were called. So you, you hear of Cretan, that's them. Um, they were like gnarly, you know, in every way, violent. Um, they were looking to, you know, get all their appetites fed, all of that, right? Um, but Paul saw Crete as this amazing port for the gospel because it was a port city. So it had these harbors and different ways that the people would come in and go out. And so he's like, that is where I'm going to establish this. This is, we can't give up this ground. It's an important place, okay? And we kind of made some references to like here, California, the most in, one of the most influential states in the country, if not the most influential state in the country. And so we have all these ports, but yet the battle rages. And so there's this culture war where Paul says, don't be of the world. You guys got to look different. So your leader, which is Titus, you need to stand up and train these men and women right. They need to make sure that all the other stuff, that like all their Greek God influences that had kind of melded into the culture, and the way that they would think, and even into their theology, it's got to go. You've got to tell them what they need to know and, and why. And they need to, to uh, live that out with conviction. Okay? So this is kind of like that, that, you know, the first chapter was about that. The second chapter is about, the well, first chapter is about like the leaders, right? The second chapter is going to be about everyone else, right? So like the first one, like I'm taking the arrows. The second one, we're all taking them. <laughs> and so uh, Paul's further explaining, this is how we ought to live. This is the way that, that Christians should look. This is the way that your life should, uh, you know, come across to those that are outside. Don't become like the culture, right, where you're becoming just like everybody else and there's no difference. Also, don't run away from it either, so we, as Christians, are in a real unique spot. And, and it, you know, the, the term, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah, that's, that's where we're supposed to be. When we're looking for comfort all the time, we're looking for, you know, everything to go right and easy. Uh, you know, nothing good is ever done through comfort necessarily, right? It's always like right on the edge, right? You work out, and it's, they say it's the last couple reps where you're burning the most is where you're gaining, getting the most gains. It's almost like every other one is to get you to that point, right? And so that's just like us as Christians in the world, not of the world, not running away from it either, okay? So uh, culture wars, and then today we're going to talk about lifestyle matters. Lifestyle matters. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this time this morning and this book and your ageless truths that are like they span all of time. And so like the word is alive and it's... um, it's sharp and it's, it's capable of, of cleaning up our lives and cutting stuff up out that doesn't belong and revealing to us things that uh, need to be changed. And it's also able to exhort and encourage us. So Lord, we pray that you would have your way here this morning by your Holy Spirit. You'd move and we would hear from you and we'd be encouraged and built up and changed, Lord. That we would be those that uh, before we see transformation in the world, we'd see it in the church that the church would be trans- a transformed people, that we would look different, and that our lives would bring glory and honor and beauty to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, 
speak. So he's talking about all these bad influences, right? And he's got like the, um, you know, the uh, Judaizers have tried to have their way, like where they take the Greeks that became Jews. And, and, and one of the things it tells us is it's for dis, dishonest gain. They're trying to gain money. Uh, they're trying to gain uh, esteem, trying to do all this. But this is why he says, as for you, Titus, as for you, don't worry about them. This is what you're supposed to do, right? Isn't that what your kids always say? Like if there's trouble, but, but look what they did. <laughs> you're like, yes, you still are responsible for your actions. And that's something we've got to come to terms with, even when we're, you know, especially with a victim kind of like mentality that we have in our society, is a lot of people are victims of horrible things. But we also have to understand that the sin that is done to us, when it results in sin in our own lives, it is still sin. So we, we work through all this stuff and we, we let God allow God space to heal us. But our reactions to that and the manifestation of how we live that out in a sinful way is still really bad. And so we have to have ownership of that kind of stuff. Okay? Like we're victims, but like God wants to heal us and move into our lives and heal us in that kind of stuff. Right? And so there's no excuse because we're looking for excuses. Oh, but they took it from me. So that totally warranted me punching them in the face. You're like, I took a piece of paper from you. So punch, right, you're totally the victim now that I see it, you know. Don't take paper. Don't punch in the face. Right, okay. Parents, can you hear me? All right. Amen. Yeah, exactly. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. As for you, Titus, speak these things. There were major issues in Crete that needed to be dealt with directly by a good, faithful pastor. As we saw last week, this is what a good, faithful pastor looks like, or an overseer, or a bishop. Titus was to be that pastor. Titus, here's your deal, man. This is your charge. Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. You're to be set apart from everything else. You're to look different from them. You're not to be identified with what you're against, but what you're for. This is something we really got to remember in the church, that we're not identified or known for what we're against. That is not the message of the, of, of the gospel, you know? It's, we got to be about more about what we're for than necessarily always what we're against, okay? And there are times to make your stands and say, absolutely not, absolutely not. But, but the reason we speak about Christ is because of his transformational ability. We can't change men's hearts, you know? We can't do it. We are looking to God to do it. So we'd say we are for him doing that. And at the same time, we're holding the balance of standing straight in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. As Philippians says, so we'd shine as stars or as lights in the heavens. Everything else around us is dark. But we would be different, a landmark. So with everything going on, you're called to be set apart. Titus, speak these things which are fitting for sound doctrine or healthy living. So the doctrine... Doctrine is, is breaking apart or breaking down what we believe. It's this is healthy teaching, knowing why you believe what you believe. And so right now, most of the Christians that are most in danger are those that really don't know what they believe. So it's really worth investing in. Like, what do I really believe about this? Instead of going, oh, it's hard to know. Oh, there's so many just different, um, you know, views on that or this or that. Well, what is your view like, where, where do you line up? Because that, that gets really lazy really fast, doesn't it? 
Where you can go like, oh, I don't really know. Oh, I'm not really a scholar. Oh, I'm not really a pastor. Yeah, but you're a Christian and you need to know why you believe the things you believe or else you will be subject to, to being vulnerable to all kinds of enticements in a sense. Right, guys? Do you get it? I mean, I feel like one of the things we've had to do for my school is we had to write doctrinal statements on these things. These are like the main doctrines. We'd say like the doctrines of the faith. Um, and and so sometimes you hear these words and you go, what is that word? You know, whatever. Because I remember hearing that. I'm like, I don't even necessarily know what that one is. And then we would go and study. You're like, oh, okay, I know what it is. The words to describe our beliefs. Like theology, the attributes of God, theo, God. Like why we, how we look at who God is. Is that not important? You know, it's like that's where my son has been asking me a lot of questions about different, like, people's beliefs, religious beliefs. Like he's, you know, as people who are Mormon or, you know, Jehovah's Witness or all kinds of different things. Dad, what's the difference? Well, a lot of it is in who is God? We, we really got to deal with this. We really got to have an answer for this. And so if we don't have one, we've got to start forming one and doing the work and the homework to understand this. This is what Titus is saying, especially in a crooked and a perverse generation. If we are to stand, then we've got to know who we are and what we believe, right? So that's theology is understanding the attributes of God. What are some other ones? Christology. Who do you think that's about? It's about Jesus, Right? Understanding who Jesus is. Uh, is he fully man, fully God? How does that all work? What do you, what do you believe about, uh, you know, virgin birth? And how do you, we got to be able to know these things and understand these things or else we're going to be subject to what? Being caught off guard. Being easily manipulated. Right? Hearing new things. Oh, most Christians don't know this, but this is actually what it is. You're like, no, I actually have studied this and that is not true. That is not true. Okay, so Christology. Pneumatology. What's that? The Holy Spirit. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? The least talked about, you know, member of the Trinity, right? What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? How do we expect the Holy Spirit to move in our lives? This is important stuff, right? So we, we study to know these things. Bibliology. How did we get the Bible? So we don't, when we hear, oh, the Da Vinci Code, oh my goodness, it's like, this is bogus, but you would know this, we would know this if we know what we believe. And so there's a lot of people who are susceptible to TikTok-style, you know, theology. <laughs> like, oh, the Bible says this. You're like, whoa, you have no clue what that's saying. But so many are deceived because they just don't know that, right? So we have to, like, really think about this stuff. Anthropology, man, what is, who is man? What is man? Trichotomy, dichotomy, body, soul, spirit, what, you know? What, what is the makeup of man? Why is man even here? What's the purpose? So it's really interesting to think about all these things. Angelology, that would be like angels and demons. You know, the, the outer world, the lesser gods, the heavenly hosts. This is insane, right? You get out there and start thinking about these things, but it's really important to understand. And it's not unknowable. That's the important thing. This stuff is, is, is not unknowable. We can talk more about this and actually plans for the future to make do stuff like this you know where we have where we can go through this kind of stuff soteriology the the theology of salvation how are we saved do you think that's important really important to understand right ecclesiology what is the church supposed to be what is the makeup of the church why are we here and then eschatology which is what end times the end of all things uh, there's, a lot, there's some debate on some of these things, but most of them 
are pretty solid, you know? And it's really like for the Christians to know, this is throughout history, this has been what Christians knew. This is sound doctrine, okay? And so Paul wants them to know all these things, why they believe the things they believe, and because the way we think, the way we believe is the way we live. There's no way around it, right? It, 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 is, it, it will come out of you. So understanding this is a big deal. What you believe dramatically affects the way you live. And then he charges not just the leaders, but those who make up the church to act like you believe the doctrine you've been taught, right? So he says this, that older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. Older men, I don't know what the cutoff is, guys. I'm not really sure. And I really am not sure about the older women cutoff. That one's even more, like, who knows, okay? So put yourself in whatever category. Maybe you need to just put yourself in both categories, including myself. Because uh, I used to think 40 was old, and now I am. <laughs> 40. Um, that the older men be sober. So this is under control, self-controlled, reverent, worthy of respect, Right? That your life is worthy of respect. When people look at you, it's your, your life is worthy of respect. Just becoming old doesn't mean you become wise. Does not mean you grow necessarily in character all the time, does it? How many of you know older people who are like train wrecks, right? We do. Because they're still people, right? It's not like automatically you get there. But men and women who have been brought up in the faith and have been working years and years on their foundations of who they are, that this, this is the stuff that comes out of your life. So you're temperate, which means you don't, you're not getting turned like crazy on every little thing. You're temperate. You're self-controlled. You know, you're able to, to, to control yourself. Sound in faith and in love, in patience. So sound or healthy in faith, pistis, which is allegiance like we we're sound in what we how we live our lives how we align our lives in faith with christ and then in love which is this the actual love they're talking about here is agape which is godly love like it's the selfless love that we're sound sound is like healthy in that these things are healthy in our life and in patience being around people like that are it's refreshing to the soul um when, when I first got saved, I was hanging around the packing house, um, you know, in Redlands, and, and there was this, this prayer thing that was on once a month on Fridays. And we would go and we'd pray, and uh, we'd pray through just a giant list. And it was like names, and it was like, it was actually kind of grueling at the time, to be honest. I was just like, it's, you're up super early, and since I was an intern, I was also making the coffee before everyone got there. So it was just like, uh, you know. And, and you don't go to bed on time ever when you're, like, 20. Um, so, you, you know, I'd be, I, I got to get up at 5. As long as I go to bed at 3, I'm good. Uh, and so you'd sit there, and you listen to the list, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, we're praying for Bernadette again, and we're praying for, there was one that it was JW, and we'll pray for all the JWs. And I was like, that's funny, this Jehovah's Witnesses, okay. Uh, but um, so we, we just go through this whole list, and then, Afterwards, the thing that really I got stoked about was we'd go to Kay's Cafe, which is, you know, like old school breakfast, you know. And we'd all go over there. And uh, the older guys were so awesome. They would like, I had a couple of them that would be like, hey, 
Chris, why don't you come with me, man? Get, get in the car. And I go, all right, cool. So we go, and, and they just, like, pour into me. They'd be like, how's your life, man? What's going on? What's, what's going on? And they, they'd speak into my life, and they'd pay for my breakfast, which was a big deal back then. And, and they just would pour into me. And I, and I remember I would have these, these things I would be thinking, and I'd be stressing about or whatever. And, and there was a couple of guys I would just go to and be like, can you pray for me? Or, you know, and a lot of them had like discernment. They'd hear from the Lord, and they'd speak into your lives. So much so we had a, a young discipleship group with a bunch of high school guys. We called it Just Dudes. And there was like 30 high school boys in a house. It turned into this giant thing. And it was like, it was wild. And I brought in one of these guys who was a lot older than everyone else, retired fire uh, chief. And we brought him in, and, and uh, he just had a sensitivity to the Lord. And I said, hey, guys, we're going to bring this guy in. He's going to pray for all you guys, okay? And, and he's going to teach us about listening to the Lord and, and how to pray and all this and that. And so you brought in this guy who was way up in years uh, with a bunch of high schoolers. And he sat there and he sat with them and, and they all sat there and they listened to him really well. And then he prayed over them and I see him come weeping and crying because he's speaking into their lives with wisdom. And he's talking about stuff that, they sh- that he necessarily shouldn't know. And he's meeting them where they're at with patience, with faith, with endurance, with, with the kind of faith that only an older guy could really have. Right? Because it's been established so it's a little concerning when we've seen a lot of the churches, because we're talking about older men, older, older men, older women, younger men, younger women. But a lot of the churches have become a young church, an old church. That's not good, is it? We want to have that kind of diversity in our midst. Thank God we do. You know, and again, you could decide which one you are. But I think that that's a, there's so much value to that, Right? So much value to the younger generation honoring and listening to the older generation, the older generation being worthy of listening to, right? <laughs> that they actually have something to say that is going. And so you take, everybody's kind of taking their, their role seriously. And, then, and when it's done right, you know what? When that guy left after hanging out with those high schoolers, he's like, the future's okay. <laughs> he's like, this is awesome. And he's like pouring into them. And it's because of the relationship. It didn't really matter that there was such an age bracket you know he man it's like who is this guy he can't even do a kickflip yeah you're like well yeah he's he's like 80 you know um so but that but like what he did give you was that he cared about you and he brought the lord to you and he ministered like he didn't look like you're annoying to me i'm glad you're here here's my opportunity okay so under control self-controlled reverent worthy of respect that, there, that there's faith, love, and patience are in your life. Steadfastness. You, it's, it's seen. So men, if you want to stand out, you want to look different, this is the stuff we're growing into. If you're younger, you could still be looking towards this. This is what maturity in Christ looks like. Older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Older women, likewise, or in a similar manner, similarly, be worthy of respect. Right? That your life would be worthy of respect, not slanderers. The word slanderers, I looked it up and I had to like re-look it up. Because I'm like, is this real? It's the word diabolos. <laughs> Slander? It's like the, of the devil. Isn't that wild? Because what does Satan do? The accuser of the brethren. He's a slanderer. So it's like, be careful. Be careful what you say. Okay? So he's reminding the older women, don't be careful with your mouth. Okay? All right, and, and I think 
we all could take this. It's like, yeah, women, you know, it's all of us, right? So slander is used, legit, used by the devil, not, uh, not given to wine. So it's like not bound to wine, meaning it doesn't have a hold on you. And it's not like something that's like gripping your life, right? That's actually what it means as far as from a biblical context. And then teachers of good things. You're bringing good things into the world. You're instructing in righteousness. You're bringing, uh, you you know, hope, because we're going to see in a second, that they admonish, verse 4, the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Older women are called to, now we're going to look at the younger women, encourage and advise the younger women. The younger women need the older women to help them out, especially, especially when the younger women have little kids and they're going crazy. Older women, you've been there and you've done that. Share your wisdom. I think that this is a sign of wisdom. What's the Paul say? What's the first thing that he admonishes them to do? Love their husbands and love their children. You know what you're going to regret the most? Is not investing in your husband and your children rather than anything else. You know, the guest house, not as important, right? All the other stuff is not as important. This, remind them of the most important things. Invest in your kids. Love your husband. Love your children. Look at them and love them and remind them, man, I, listen, I, if I could go back, this is what I would do. This is how I would do it. That's one of the things now it's like I, I even can look back at like the youth in the high school and then we try to relate in that way. And even to my own children, like, can I encourage you from what I've done that I wish I didn't do? From the mistakes that I've made, can you learn? Can I explain to you like, man, that does not matter. Whatever you think about like high school or middle school or popularity or what people think about you, do not because you will not see most of them ever again when you graduate. And when you do see them, you will be not impressed. And you'll be like, why did I ever care about what you thought? Why did that ever make any, like, why would I have ever worried about any of that ever again? So you bring that, you go, but how can you know that when your whole world is in that? It's like, you know, so we bring wisdom, we bring insights to these things, right? So older women are to help the younger women to see what matters. Um, Again, we need young and old. They, um, so he encourages them to love their husbands, love their kids, to be discreet. Discreet is like self-controlled. Uh, and then chaste is pure. And then keepers of the home. Keep the home well. This doesn't mean you can't work. Okay, that's, that's important to say. But it, it, it's like if the house is out of order, we got to make sure if at all possible, get it in order. Because there's something about, there is something about moms. There's something about moms. You guys are the best, right? You just, you just like, my kids will look, right, look me right in the eye and say, mom, something bad happened to me. And I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to say you're fine. And mom is going to, bust out an essential oil or something, you know, like mom's going to help here. She's going to, she's going to like, and she's going to hold you and she's going to kiss your head. And I'm like, you're good. You're good. And I'm thinking, am I in trouble? Did I do something wrong? Did you hurt? You know, let's just get back up and let's keep on going guys. We're never going to get done with this hike. If we cry about every skin knee, you know, but that's, that's part of it, right? 
And so, but moms have a beautiful place and a beautiful patience with their children. You guys are so important in your kids' lives. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Okay? Again, yeah, it's important. Um, and then he says, uh, being discreet, chase homemakers, keepers of the home, um, good, obedient, um, and obedient to their husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Um, understanding the order and the giftings God has set forth. God has set forth order. He set forth giftings. This is, again, in no way uh, an, a difference of um, importance or um, like everybody's, everybody's the same value, right? But there is also orders and there's a, a sense of how God has given each person what to do, to know what to do. This is your part. This is your role. Uh, and understanding that, it really, it's just being in submission to God. God, what you say is what I will do. Not, not my thing, but what you want to do. Um, I am not God. And there's a tendency in me to want to be God, but I'm not I want to think I, I am, and that's where we start running into issues where we go, I don't agree with that. Well, you're dumb sometimes. So, like, let's just be honest about that, not you, me. You know, it's like, I think I'm, yes, you, you too, all of us. Um, but where we, we think we know and we don't know, you know? And again, you see that with the younger generation. You're like, oh, no, I'm fine. You're like, you're not fine. I don't need a jacket. Yes, you do. No, I'm fine. I'm not going to get that cold. And you're like, we have pneumonia now in the house, you know, like, why did you do that? So, uh, anyway, so then, uh, exhort, okay, wait, where's it? Likewise, exhort the younger men. Here's the younger men to be sober minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say. Likewise, or similarly, Young men, see, they're all in the same category, right? But there's certain things that are a little bit more, you know, timely, I guess, for wherever you're at in life. Similarly, young men, uh, be sensible and reasonable. That's the idea. It's sober-minded, right? Showing yourself to be a pattern or a type of good works, that your life would reflect what you say you believe. Again, if you don't believe it, don't expect your life to align with it. And that's, that's like a big, actually a big telling thing. Do we really believe what we say? Like say you build a chair. I've never built a chair before, but I think it's going to be good, you know? And so you build the chair and you tell somebody else to sit in it. Why don't you sit in the chair? I'm pretty sure it's in good shape. They're like, okay, how about you sit in the chair that you just made? No, I don't think I will. <laughs> Why? Because you might not believe in what you actually built. I don't actually know if it will be able to stand the test of time. But if you did know and you did test and you did do your research and you did uh, learn how to make it right and, and double, triple, reinforce it, embrace it, then you would know you can sit on it and then you could sit on it all day long. And then before you know it, without saying a word, someone else is sitting on your chair. Why? Because they've seen that it is legit. And you believe in what you've done. And they've seen it. There's the proof. You actually back up what you say you believe. So for the young men, be a pattern or a type of good works. In understanding with soundness. So in understanding um, in all things, showing you a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Um, 
So in doctrine, and that would mean like our understanding, knowing what we believe, we're showing what? Integrity. Okay? Soundness is another word for integrity. Like that we are what we are on every, in every way, right? Integrity is like, I'm, I, this is who I am, and there's no other side of it. There's no this or there's no, you know. I, this is, I am the same person around you. I'm the same person around you. I'm the same person over there. I'm the same person over there, right? So young men, have integrity, okay? The idea of integrity, no, you know, no wax, sincere, okay? We want to be sincere. And dignity uh, and not able to be corrupted, okay? Reverence, dignity, and corruptibility. Not able to be corrupted. How are you not going to be corrupted? You've got to know what you believe. Again, so some good sweat to know why we, why we believe the things we believe. The f- cool thing is, the more you know, the more excited you get. I found that the deeper I've studied who God is, and, and the harder it is, the more beautiful it is. And as I do it more and more in my life, I'm just like blown away at how big God is. And, it, and, it, and it's like, it just, it's just like, it lights me up, man. It comes up more in conversations, it comes up more in like practice and how you raise your kids, how you, your marriage is set up, how you treat your friends. So, so yeah, so you're not able to be corrupted. Um, sound speech, that our words are line up with what we say we believe, right? Um, that cannot be condemned. Um, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say about you. So when opponents come, and by the way, they will. (laughs) People will try to defame you. They will try to say all kinds of things about you. The way you handle it is a big deal, right? And the way that that, that giving them uh, bait or giving them, you know, issue, you know, whatever, like stuff they could see and, and tear at, that's, obviously we're all going to need grace. And part of that is saying, I'm a sinner. I need grace. Like, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect. But like, in the, the more that our life aligns with our beliefs, the less we give them fuel for their fire, okay? And so that they look at it and go, I don't really have anything evil to say about them. I love that. There's some athletes like that, that you can't, everyone just like kind of loves them and they try to ignore the fact that they're a Christian, <laughs> but you kind of can't. Like Albert Pujols, right? You guys know who that is? And he just hit 700 home runs. This guy's awesome. And he's a down Christian. And, he, and he's been a down Christian for a, like a long time. And he's, and he's pretty outspoken about it. He just loves people. He's got a real special soft spot in his heart for kids with Down syndrome. Like you'll see him like hugging them, bringing them on the field and hugging them and hanging out with them and stuff. And I remember hearing him, they were playing the Padres when he was on the Cardinals once. And I heard him on the radio. And... Uh, they're like, we have Albert Pujols on, guys. Oh, this is so cool. And so they talk, start talking to him. And, and all of a sudden, he's like, all he wants to do is talk about Jesus and mission work. And they're like, oh, crud. So they're trying, they keep on trying to get him off. And he just keeps on bringing it back to the Lord. And you're like, well, you're not going to try to get rid of Albert Pujols. But he just kept on going, man. He just kept on just, he's just like it was a light. And everybody's just like, they call him Tio Albert, man. He's like everyone's uncle. You know, we love this guy, right? Angels fans, you guys like him. Dodgers fans like him. Everybody likes him at this point, right? And so it's like there's something about that where you go, what do you say about a guy like that? What do you, what do you say about someone like that who doesn't leave you any room to, anyway. That's how we're supposed to live. And it makes a huge difference, right? 
Okay, so then he says, exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity. They may adorn the doctrine of, our, of God, our Savior, in all things. Um, encourage those put under another. Uh, a bond servant would be like a voluntary slave, especially back then, right? A bond servant would be someone that would put themselves in the position of, it could be for a time or it could be for ever, where they say you're a good master. And it's not like what we think of Western slave trade gnarliness like that, right? It's a different thing. But he's saying, whatever, whoever you're under, make sure you're being under him or her really, really well, okay? So that the way that you live, your obedience would be seen, that you'd be well-pleasing in all things, that you wouldn't be not answering back or selfish or, you know, being a jerk, uh, causing division in everything you do, but you'd be honoring, uh, pilfering, so not talking back, or pilfering is not holding back, you know, from doing what you're supposed to be doing, working hard. There, there's, a, there's a few better things you can do uh, for a witness for Christ than to be a really good employee. I, I just, seriously, I mean, I think it's such a witness to be a really good employee at whatever you do. Do it super well, okay? And honor God. And even if you have a hard time with, like, your, your boss, be like, I'm doing this as unto the Lord, you're just the middleman, and you get, you get it too, but it's for him, you know. But it's amazing, especially as, like, the workforce is kind of like, right now. <laughs> We're just going to stand out. We're going to look different, okay? Showing all fidelity. This is, this is faith. Fidelity is pistis. It's faith. Same word. So that you would show faith, believe in what you believe. That they may adorn the doctrine. This is really cool. Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So adorn is uh, cosmeo. It's like cosmetic, right? It's actually like to decorate or make beautiful the doctrine of God in all things. So by the way you live your life, it makes the doctrines of God beautiful. This is, this is the thing. The truth aligned with lifestyle, aligned with how we are, how we live, what we do, it makes the, the message more beautiful. It makes, it makes the truth even more beautiful. It really, it's like it, it fills it out for people to see it in real life action. And that's why I believe transformation is key in the church. First transform us, then transform the world. If people see transformed people here, and they do, by the way, but the more transformed lives we have here in this church the more of a witness it's going to be to the world who's desperately wanting to be transformed without even knowing it. I just know something's got to change. I just know I can't seem to find out who I really am. So we have identity crisis. And, and there's not enough pronouns in the world to, try to fix our, what's wrong inside, right? And so people are looking for like a real transformational change in us so that, they, so that they can find some sort of a landmark, right? Philippians, stars in the heavens, to navigate to. So it's a transformational process where we understand our identity and who we are, and then it's lived out in integrity because we really do believe it, which leads to what? Transformation. Other people wanting to join in and be a part of it. So I, I think it's, it's not... Remember, this is to Crete. This is to a gnarly area. 
and so Paul's not giving them, him, them the grade on the curve deal. No, the solution is not to, eh, just kind of try and survive. It's like, no, go even harder into being exactly who you're supposed to be because that's going to that's be the most effective thing you could possibly do, whether it's in Ephesus or it's in Crete. It's the same thing. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. The grace of God that brings salvation is in us and through Christ, uh, that the salvation that we've experienced, and then through Christ has appeared to all. It's out there for the world to see. The promised Messiah has come. And now the remnant, the church age, the, the, those who are representatives of the kingdom, outposts of the kingdom, everywhere they go, that's us. So now it should be evident to the whole world of the belief that we have. It's appeared to all. And the realization and encounter, this realization and encounter should change the way we live. So when we look at this list, we don't go, okay, I've got to try and be all these things. No, it's just a symptom to say, I'm not transformed fully yet. <laughs> God, here you go. I, I, obviously, there's something wrong. There's a disconnect between my brain and my life, and, and my heart and my life. So, um, yeah, it's the way that we live it's, is important. So then he says this, verse 13, looking forward, or looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of God, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Um, that we would look forward to a, this blessed, blessed hope, that we would have this blessed expectation that what Jesus is, came and that he's coming back. That is, this, is, this is not it. That, that we, so we live with eternity in mind, right? We are so, in such an interesting age in history. Right? Between when Jesus came and when he's coming back. What a beautiful time to be alive. We have, we have the amazing opportunity to be those who, who are used by God to save as many as possible. And, and we're reminded by this and, we're, and keeping our eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus is coming back helps us to live with, with an extra you know, fervency and direction in how we live. Because it, it's what matters, right? This is what matters. It keeps our minds and our lives right because we're, the target's there. We know where we're going. There's a direction. So he's come to redeem us, not just from death and every lawless deed. He's looking or from death, but every lawless deed, and he's looking to purify us. So he's, you know, it's not just heaven that we're looking, we're looking to experience a new life transformed here to, to remove us from the, all the old junk that he would raise up for himself a special people. That's you. Remember that was, that was like Israel, this, this special people that was set apart that looked different than everybody else. Now it's us. And then what does it say? Zealous for good works. That we would be, we would be like excited and, and like driven towards those things. Not for legalism's sake, but because we're so on mission. It would be a natural thing for us. Then he says this, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Don't stop telling this message. Don't stop keeping, like laying out the standard. 
Speak these things. Encourage. Rebuke. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Rebuke those who need to be rebuked. Speak the truth in love with all authority and don't let anyone despise you. Don't let anything hold you back. Go all out. And so again, we look at this and we think about this is the solution. This is, this is the remedy that God has for a corrupt and twisted up culture is just people looking like Christ. What's your divine plan, God? We know there's a lot of stuff has shifted. What's your plan? He's like, oh, it's the same plan. It is to continue being faithful to the word and to knowing what you believe and why you believe it and letting that, that understanding become heart transformation understanding and that your life would be transformed and then it would be lived out for the world to see and then as it's lived out for the world to see you you're driven more and more to action to meeting people where they're at to ministering to those uh that that need it not just looking out for yourself or thinking only about yourself but looking unto others how can i meet you with the good news of the gospel how can i reach you how can i encourage you Young and old, to the old, bringing up the young, helping those who are, who, are, who are younger in the faith. It was like we had a span in our marriage group we had here in the summer. And it was so cool. I, I remember hearing from multiple couples how encouraged they were by those who had been married longer. Wow, this is so good. This is so informative. This is such a blessing. I'm like growing and I'm learning from this, right? But there's also something about being around the young too. So I said, it's still fun to be part of like youth. We were, we were out here and it was crazy. It was chaotic. And I went home and I slept so, so good. But there's something about being around youth that's so good too, right? Because you go, man, we've got to remember to have fun and be around people like this. Like, you know, and, and, and just like, ah, there's something about the exuberance. And they're just like, they're all, there's like an all in, like not jaded, not all over the place kind of thing there. So the older need the younger, the younger need the older, and we all need each other. And so we're looking to each other, we're encouraging one another, we're building one another up, we're speaking truth where we can speak it, and we're bringing life wherever we can bring it. That's the hope. But it's, it's all going to be done out of the fact that we know Christ, we know what we believe, we, we know why we believe it, and then we're, we're moving forward and, and with, with his plan for us because we're not making up our own or going rogue or, you know, like kind of trying to figure out a, a new angle. We're just joining in on the mission that God has set forth from the beginning to now. We're joining in. That's, isn't that such good news? We're just joining in with what he's already been doing. Nothing new. It's all part of it, right? It takes on different ways and frames and, you know, you know, uh, applications. But it's all just joining in with what he's doing, ruling and subduing, walking with God, letting him be known in everything that we're doing and bringing peace to the world, bringing light to the world, bringing hope to the world, bringing truth in the midst of, you know, nothing but lies, bringing light in the midst of darkness, bringing hope to the hopeless. And being real, full of integrity in the midst of, a hypocritical, fake, you know, prom promotion of that. You know, we look like I can look 100% perfect here, but I'm not. We bring the real. The real is what brings out 
the fake. He's like, I, I'm so sick of being fake, but there's no one around me that even looks real. I don't even know where true north is anymore. I need a compass. God has set his people up to be that. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.